Drunk Dish contains adult language that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. It's definitely worse, but you know. So hello and welcome to Drunk Dish, where three delicious dishes explore food history and get pickled in the process. This is episode number 28, where we will be continuing our discussion of canned food. Uh, I'm Melissa. Can't believe you guys walked right over my my intro. (laughs) You paused. (laughs) We also can't see each other. Right, so we don't have true. video enabled, so we're all just guessing. We can't rely on body languages when we're going to stop. I mean, we could listen more attentively and listen to voice inflections, but we're not going to do that. We're drinking. Take two. So. <laughs> I'm Melissa. I'm Amy. <laughs> I'm Kate. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, now that we, we're doing great. Now that we've introduced ourselves, every episode, Kate likes to ask us one food-related question. So, Kate, what is our question? Okay. So, the question is, um, assuming that we're all still not going out and partying and going to all the places that we're loving, that that we miss, and we're, you know, assuming that we're all still being conscious and responsible, um, what is the the first thing or the biggest thing or the, the thing that you've been dreaming about? noshing upon once we are able to go someplace there's something that you've been like oh man it's blah 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 season or it's right I miss such and such the most and I can't have it delivered mine's gonna be really embarrassing (laughs) I mean mine's too I'll (laughs) say I'll say the like bougie fancy one and Mm -hmm. that is there's a um there is a restaurant um in Manchester, New Hampshire, that I've taken you both to, called Republic. Mm -hmm. And when this all happened, they were for a short while doing, like, curbside pickup and, like, delivery and stuff. But it wasn't enough to keep them going. Yeah. Um, So they ended up closing. So I'm, like, really scared that they're not going to reopen. I think that they are. I think I I, saw that they were. I think they are as well. But I still get nervous hesitant but now people can eat outside because we're in stay at home 2.0 or whatever um but they have um these salt wrinkled potatoes that are just like life-giving they're so good they're i guarantee we must have oh maybe i don't think amy probably would have eaten them (laughs) yeah probably not also unless they're they're deep fried no they're just they're just cooked potatoes yeah um, but then they're they're served cold, but they have um, like the salt herb like stuff on them, and they're that so good. Amazing. Yeah, that actually they're sounds so, really good. It's really good. Um, and then they also have this spicy whipped feta that you get with like slices of pita. Uh, oh. That is also to die for. So that's like my bougie answer. Okay. Okay. But my real answer is a caramel cloud macchiato from Starbucks. <laughs> Shit, at this point, I'll take a freaking nitro cold brew from Starbucks. I miss Starbucks 
so much. I'm like, what excuse can I make up that I have to go to Target immediately and then just happen to be able to get Starbucks while I'm there? And then every time I come up with something, Greg's like, we can order that. We can just order that. Yes. And I'm yes. like, fuck. Yes. We can just order that has become like the God mantra in this house. Can we, we should look and see if we can find that online. That's like what we yeah. say. We should see if we can yeah. find that online. But <laughs> even if it's something I'm like, no, I need it today. And he's like, you can wait till tomorrow. <laughs> no, I you mean, don't understand. The world is not, not wait for a caramel macchiato. You don't understand. Oh my God. No, it's not just a caramel macchiato, Kate. Oh, oh, okay. It's I'm a sorry. cloud caramel macchiato. Explain the difference. It has, um, so it's, it's iced. Mm-hmm. And it has this, like, they have this cold foam that they put on drinks now. And it's, it's like in between the foam that you would expect on a hot macchiato and like almost like a whipped cream. Okay. It is fucking delicious. <laughs> okay. It's the thing I've been dreaming about. <laughs> uh, it's, it's very similar to like a cocktail foam. It's got egg white in it. Okay. Okay. So it's very like that kind of thick consistency. It's not whipped cream, but it's like unctuous meringue yeah a little bit oh my god it's so good oh my god i would freaking kill for a venti cloud macchiato right now is the one on south willow street not open for like i have i have no idea but like we don't go anywhere no i know i know i know i know like i mean it's it's, might be might become a problem in a a (laughs) couple weeks here (laughs) it's been too long yeah it's probably not as good as you remember It's, it'll probably taste better because it's been so long. Yeah, it depends who makes it too. I do find that like, the Starbucks by my house, their drinks are not near as good as the one by my work. Yeah. The one by my work is like really good. And then I'll go to the one by my house and I'm like, mm, you know, it'll yeah. do, but it's not the real deal because it's the one in the Target too. Right. So they're not, they're not one of the like big uh, standalone Starbucks. So they don't have all the stuff and they run out of stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times when I've gone in order, like, oh, we're out of the cold foam. And I'm like, how? <laughs> That's the only reason I'm here. It, you make it, just make more. <laughs> don't understand. That's how that works. <laughs> Fine. I'll take a nitro cold brew. Oh, we're all out of nitro cold brew. Okay, cool. Anyway, that's my bougie answer in okay. my real world uh, freaking basic white bitch answer. I like it. Okay. I like it. That's fair. Amy? So I have a sidebar real quick. Ooh, okay. I don't think I've Ooh, ever early sidebar. a sidebar. You, yeah. you have. I'm sure you have. Maybe. I don't I'm know. sure. Anyway. It's probably too tipsy to remember. But <laughs> um, the like the whole uh, 2.0 thing, like when you're talking about um, the Republic and just restaurants, like, oh, you can open up outdoor seating. And I don't know what the right answer is because I'm not a scientist or a doctor or a politician. What? But Yeah, what? <laughs> but You're smarter than most politicians, to be fair. That I will take that. Um, but like most restaurants, one, don't have outdoor seating. And two, right. even if they do have outdoor seating, it's like three or four seats, especially yeah. like so like you're then telling the restaurant that they can open up and pay their servers, which like, I mean, servers don't make enough money to begin with. But like that's high risk, right? Like you're mm-hmm. working with like a bunch of people from the public. And I'm pretty sure yeah. Republic p- pays their servers pretty well as well right i would also be sure that 
hope they're making good tips at that restaurant. Like, mm. I'd hope you, so. I yeah. mean, if you're I going out assholes are not during a, a fucking pandemic, you need to be tipping like 100%. For sure. Yes. yes. Yeah, be tipping yes. a lot. Yeah. If you, you can't, can't eat a- with a mask on, so you're putting yeah. everyone around you at risk. If you but can't is, like, afford to tip that much, then you can't afford to go out to eat. Right. Yeah. But uh, I... I just I foresee like a lot of restaurants being put in this impossible situation where they they're like, we will not make enough money to justify the risk, both the health risk and the financial risk, because if there's an outbreak, they have to shut down. Like if like if one server has flu like symptoms and they have to wait a couple days for test results, like they're shut down. And that that happened to a pizza place in town where I live. Where, like, they shut down for four days until they got the test results back. And it was just the flu. It was fine. But, like, it just seems like such high risk for such little reward. Like, why? I don't understand. Like, just order takeout or curbside pickup or whatever. Like, it's... What I'm wondering I- is if, it, if, if having that little capability, like, you know, two or three tables every 45 minutes... But the other thing is, you know, if if a normal turnover for a table is 45 minutes, you know, right now people are going to be spending like an hour and a half or two hours because they haven't seen the right. people they're going out to dinner and with. And you have to spend extra time cleaning in between yeah. them too. Yeah. Like it's but, not just a wipe down with like a rag that you use on every other table anymore. Like Right, right. But I wonder if it is going to allow for some restaurants that... If they're com- if they then can combine that with takeout, you know, like, mm. okay, well, we're going to have a few tables and now we can open back up for takeout and it is going to be financially feasible. I, yeah. I, yeah, I really don't know. I know that, um, in Nashua main street, they shut down the two, like main street is a two lane street. um going both directions mm-hmm. and they shut down that outer two lanes put up jersey barriers and basically let the restaurants have extra tables in the street oh that's awesome yeah which i thought was uh very forward thinking and very you know like well hey at least we're trying to do something it was interesting yeah yeah i don't know i don't like i said i don't know what the right answer is it's just i don't know either it just feels like a series this whole thing feels like a series of impossible situations to navigate yes bad choices yeah, bad, not making bad choices, but bad choices to have to make. Yeah, bad choices and worse choices. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that was a a happy sidebar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I talk- got just dist- I got distracted during it uh, arguing with someone on Facebook about whether the Boston Tea Party was a riot or not. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ, that's a whole. Uh, uh, spoiler: It was. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> Just it because was. it was committed by the bourgeoisie doesn't mean it wasn't a riot and yeah. also treason. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm did... sure I didn't answer. Okay. I was going to, yeah. I didn't like, I didn't miss your answer, right? I'm pretty sure I got all everything you guys were No, just, about. I got distracted by the state of the fucking world. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No. So the thing that I'm really looking forward to, I'd say, isn't like a specific meal. It's just like. I miss, and I didn't even do this a lot before. I've just, I've missed it a lot since. But, like, going to a bar or a restaurant, not, like, a noisy one, just, like, a, you know, a chill place. And, like, going there alone and reading a book and having a drink. Mm. <laughs> like, and I've probably only done that, like, a few times in my life. I just, re- like, I think it's probably because I'm homeschooling the kids and, yeah. like, 
So I'm not like everybody's quarantine experience or stay at home experience is like different, right? Because everybody has different life circumstances. But it's like twenty four seven. I am mom and teacher and mm-hmm. whatever. So it's mm-hmm. just a lot. Like I would just love to like go and be an adult somewhere yeah. in yeah, a public yeah. place, like and not be a mom. It sounds horrible. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> that is like not horrible. And I don't think any mom, <laughs> no. any mom, unless she was full of shit. <laughs> and like was a mommy blogger that has this whole fake persona online that she has to like maintain that everything's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Other than those psychos, I think every single mom would agree with you. That's yeah. like, that's fine. And also you made me think of how much I miss having someone else make drinks for me. Mm. Like yeah. just going oh. to a place and being like, oh, that sounds good. I'm going to try that. And I don't even have to make it. Yeah. I don't have to have all of the things. Right. <laughs> I mean, you pay, you know, it's like right. a 500% markup, but. Sure. <laughs> but still, it's just, it's like, it, like having someone else cook a meal for you is just such an amazing experience. Mm. I, I completely underappreciated that mm-hmm. before all this mm-hmm. or make yeah. a drink for you or what like, oh man, people yeah. in the service industry, we love you. Yes. Yeah. You love deserve it. to be paid all the money. For Even- sure. Even Greg the other day was like, I really just want to go to a restaurant. And I was like, fucking what? What? Greg never wants to leave the apartment. No, he doesn't like restaurants. No. His sole goal when we go to one is to leave as quickly as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he'll agree to go to one. But, like, it's like, okay, okay, we got our drinks, we got our food, we're eating, we're gone. All right, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my word. Unless we're outside and then it's different. Right, 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 right. I, I love eating at restaurants outside. That's like, yeah, it's great. It's the yeah. best. Kate, how about you? Yeah. Um. So I have been having these like these real because the weather this week has been miserably hot, but mm-hmm. it is the it, it's the summertime feeling, right? So I've definitely had this like I need to go to the beach and have some fried clams Mm. and like a lobster roll. Like I just, uh, you know, that that's the thing. Like, and those aren't things I'll ever uh, order from a restaurant or make myself at home. So those are the kinds of things that I'm just like, oh man, that's that right there. That's the thing. Yeah. (laughs) Like Uh, not necessarily even from a, from like a specific place, just like the, but I think just, just like going to a bar and sitting, you know, and having a drink or, or going and eating outside, it's the experience of there's that, you can, you know what that day is, you know what the smell is and you know, like mm-hmm. the, the feeling that you get from just like, this is what we're doing. And that's, that's the whole thing, I think. Yeah. I mean, like I would even love right now to go, cause you brought up like the seafood thing, mm-hmm. go to Brown's. Yeah. Um, yep. And, like, I can't fucking eat anything there. Right. I can't eat anything there. No. That's not true. They have fish and chips. But, like, I would love because it's just, like, right on that marsh. And, like, yeah. yep. it's just this really cool, like, big space. It's, like, not any restaurant, like, I've ever been in, really. It actually reminds me a lot of – I don't know, Amy, if you've ever been there. But in Manchester, um, Kate, you know Goldenrod. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm. the inside part. Yep. Uh-huh. That's yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. old. It hasn't yes. been updated for like mm-hmm. 8 million years. Mm-hmm. That's what Brown's is like the same thing. It's so yeah. weird. It's like stepping back in time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, that's like, yeah, ab- ab- same, same, same. Yes. Where they're and, literally and catching. The, go ahead. 
And that's exactly that is that's exactly the place. Like you know, it's like this. The, you walk in and it smells like old oil, <laughs> and yeah. it's like, but there's also the the like water. Uh, yes, that's that is the yep. That's they're the literally thing. like digging up freaking clams right outside the door. Yep. So yeah, y'all. If after this is all over, you're in Seabrook, New Hampshire, go to Browns. I think it's like Browns Lobster Pound. Yeah, that's. I think that's right. But it that sounds, yeah, that sounds familiar. It's like a New Hampshire staple. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta go. Like it's a shack. It's like a little shack. But <laughs> well, no, it's big. Well, I mean, it is, but it's like, but it's not. It's like a barn almost. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not nice. Like, but it's fantastic. You're gonna get I mean, like that's a the paper term. plate. Yeah, paper plate and paper napkins mm-hmm. and plastic yep. wear and and you're gonna get seagulls stealing your French fries. Yeah. That's yeah. part of it. <laughs> up, up here we have uh, Tamarack, which is like a very similar experience. It's like this okay. old rickety building on the side of the road okay. that has really good seafood and fried food. Ooh. Sorry, Whoa, guys. That was... That's okay. <laughs> that's that's one of the other uh, staples of living in New Hampshire is just is... nonstop fucking motorcycles. Yeah. Yep. From May until, I don't October. know, November or until something. Until the first, yeah. like. Until everything freezes snow. over, yeah, yeah, and even then, <laughs> and even then, we used right. we used to have a tradition in my hometown of a uh, a very large man dressing up as Santa and riding his motorcycle through town right before Christmas. Sure, so. if we lived if we lived closer to each other, Kate, which we do live very close to each other, I would swear that the motorcycle that just went by your house just went by my house. <laughs> but we don't live that We don't close. live quite that close. <laughs> no, it'll be another couple minutes if one goes by. I'll know that's our guy. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, all right. I think those are, I think those are all good and um, just choices. So good job, ladies. Uh, Melissa, what that's are you me. Drinking? What are you drinking tonight? Yeah, what are you drinking? <laughs> so tell us, let I, us live vicariously through yeah. you. So we're gonna talk about something that we have kind of technically had on before. Do you guys remember when I made that Bali Pims drink? Mm-hmm. Yes, with mm-hmm. the passion fruit and the ginger beer and all of that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Was that the one with the the pineapple, whatever it was? Yep, yep. The yeah. pineapple fronds in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So well, this is essentially what like that is inspired by, like what that's based off of. So we're going to be drinking a Pim's cup or we're not. God damn it. You I'm going to I'm going to be drinking a Pim's cup and then we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Pim's and the Pim's cup because I know we didn't really talk about that. I don't think when we drank it before. If we did, I didn't go into as much detail be- or I just forgot everything because this all seemed like new information to me. <laughs> um, but the reason that I chose it is because I am using my um homemade home fermented ginger beer jalapeno ginger beer and yeah. i thought that that fit really nice. well with this episode because we're going to talk about canning i mean it's not canning but it is preserving and fermentation and all that sort of stuff yeah um so i just realized that i left out in the recipe the part where i add the ginger beer but i know that i'm doing that so i'm calling it a drunk dish pimps cup because uh i add more alcohol to it um, <laughs> okay that's fair. <laughs> Always a good choice. Which we'll talk about um, later after I make the drink. Um, and also I'm using ginger beer, which the traditional um, 
Pimp's Cup is made with lemonade, which in the UK is different than the lemonade we have here. In the UK, it's not as sweet. It's a little bit more bitter, and it's also slightly carbonated. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. So um, so this is two ounces of Pimm's number one, one ounce of London dry gin. Um, like I said, I'm bumping up that alcohol content. Um, three quarter ounce of fresh lemon juice and then top with ginger beer. You just throw all this in a glass with ice. Um, and then uh, one of the main things with a Pimm's cup is the garnish. Uh, and there's two schools of thought on this. A bunch of stuff. Oh, excuse me. I burped. A bunch of stuff that you read will say um, that a Pimm's cup should have a very simple garnish, like a strawberry or some mint or whatever. But then other people say the more ostentatious and like the more garnishes, the better, the more of like a mm. real Pimm's cup it is. So some com- common garnishes are like cucumber slices, strawberries, mints, um, lemon, pineapple, like pretty much if you have it in your fridge and it's fruit, you can like garnish this with it. Tonight, I'm going to garnish it with strawberry and cucumber slices. Mm, Um, And then we also have the homemade jalapeno ginger beer that I made. Um, So that was really fun to make. I had never fermented ginger beer before. I did actually the Bali Pims. I fermented tapache, which is that pineapple, fermented pineapple juice, um, and used it in that Bali Pim. So it's funny. Both of these have things in it that I fermented myself. Um, yeah, I remember that being delicious. It was yeah, really it was so good. good. It was really good. Um, oh. So in order to make the um, ginger beer, you want, um, obviously this will go up on the website, so you don't have to remember all this, but you want 300 grams of granulated white sugar. Um, you can up that or lower that depending on how sweet you like it. If your resulting ginger beer at the end is super sweet, it means that it didn't, the like yeast didn't eat up enough of the sugar so it didn't ferment quite as much as it could have so if it comes out super sweet obviously you want to knock down the sugar a little bit I originally made this with 350 grams of granulated sugar I dropped it down to 300 because it was pretty sweet Um, and then you want 500 grams of fresh ginger just cut up into large chunks and lightly crushed you don't have to like peel it or anything I mean if there's some like really particularly icky spots on the ginger you can cut those off or whatever but you really don't have to and then one to two jalapenos cut in half, seeds and red uh, ribs left in, just chuck them right in there. I did mm-hmm. one jalapeno. I feel like I really could have thrown two in there, honestly. Um, I don't I get like as drinks much. with a little bit of heat. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, this definitely came out not at, with as much of a bite or spice that I wanted it to. So if I make it again, I'm definitely going to put more jalapeno in it and probably more ginger too. Um, and then 12 cups of water. So you get like a fermenting jar, um, preferably one with an airlock on top of it um, so that it'll essentially burp itself. You don't have to worry about the jar exploding while it's fermenting. And you just combine the water and sugar in there and shake it up. Uh, And then you add the ginger and jalapenos and anything else that you want to throw in there. Um, I've seen people throw in like lemon peels, orange peels, um, black peppercorn, other spices. You can really put in anything that you want. Um, and then you seal it up and you close it, uh, store it in a cool, dry place out of, oh, I wrote out of the wat. <laughs> I'm injury, out of the way. I'm like, what the fuck's the wat? Uh, <laughs> out of the way for at least a week. That's your first stage of fermentation. It can go for at least two or up to two, I should say. I did it for a week, but it, if you like it a little bit funkier, you can let it go longer. 
Um, and then after that week, you're going to strain the ginger beer into a bowl and then transfer to carbonation safe bottles. Um, so you want bottles that are meant for like beer making or soda. Um, you don't want any of those like um, ornamental bottles right, that are. Right, right, right. Yeah, because then you'll have problems mm-hmm. in this second stage of fermentation. So then you seal those up. Um, let them sit again uh, in a cool, dry place for at least a week. Um, what's going to happen is it's going to start to produce excess gas. Uh, and then because they're in bottles, the gas will get pushed back down into the liquid and that will give you your carbonation. Huh. Um, yeah. So after your second fermentation, you're all done. You can throw them in the refrigerator. And Kate did get to try this ginger beer. So oh, lucky. Good. So um, good. Can I change my answer from Kate's question to I miss Melissa making me cocktails? <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair statement. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Well, I, need I, it. I will hopefully have still have ginger beer when we can finally get back together so you can try it. Um, do you think it'll be still or do you think it'll be again? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Don't do this to me. Um, <laughs> but the ginger beer, it came out really like floral, I noticed. Like yeah. it, it had a real floral flavor that you don't get from like commercially produced ginger beer. No, it was really nice. It was just, it was very light. And yeah, I didn't think that it was too spicy at all. Like it was definitely a back of the tongue kind of heat. It was nice. Yeah, you get it a little bit. You get a little bit. But anyway, so I'm going to go and I'm going to whip that up real quick. And then I've got some history for you. There's still a lot of stuff in there that's alive and doing weird stuff. Botulism, Chris. This guy and his botulism. No one's had botulism since like 1920. That might not be true. Too far away. <laughs> yeah. I'm bad. Yeah, you, got, you guys got Manchester. Hey, yeah. yeah. I'm going to text you guys a crappy picture of my drink. So you can see what it looks like. I didn't do all the fancy garnish stuff I said I was going to do because who's got time for that? Oh, I just realized I got, I have pictures for this week's episode and how am I going to share them with you guys? I mean, they're in the OneDrive. Oh, yeah. We have a shared folder. Yeah. Technology for this. Um, I could share my screen too and show the drop because I have some pictures too. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I could, I was planning on sharing the screen for mine. Yet. I just sent it. Like literally just right okay. now. Well, my uh, phone's garbage, so I'll, I'll probably get it tomorrow at noon. That's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. So uh, what are you late? What are you ladies drinking? I'm drinking Amy. more White Claw. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get your, I, I have your pictures. Is that a new um, straw? Mm-mm. Same straw? I mean, I have a lot. Well, it looks like a longer one. Is it, it is a- long. I've got I've got a bunch of long ones. I've got oh, okay. two. This one is the bent one. I've got, I think, two or three of those because Andrew sent us one for <laughs> each of us. Nice. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, and I didn't give them to you I'm guys. Sorry, I kept guys. them for myself. Mind, I don't know. It's just in the gutter. You. What? <laughs> Amy, come on. What is this, Clueless? I, I said my mind's in the gutter. So like, I know I lots of long ones, and this one's a bent one, and yeah, and I just I started thinking about penises. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's also a, just, uh, I don't know why anyone willingly thinks about penises, but uh, 
So Amy's drinking white cloth. I swear to God, I'm not 12. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, uh, well, the white cloth. Uh, Kate, Lots what are you drinking? Oh, I'm super high class today, ladies. I have um, some iced coffee and I have some Baileys in it. <laughs> nice. And that is like all I had for alcohol in my house. That's I just, delicious, though. It's really good. <laughs> it's I was, really good. I was going to make, because uh, I also, I made um, chai tea concentrate i saw that too yeah yesterday so i was gonna make a drink with that but then i felt like it made more sense that i used something that i had like fermented which it's gotten funkier bt dubs yeah Mm -hmm. i mean it's been another two weeks right oh it's funky (laughs) it's also too sweet which i did say i made it i made it too sweet and pims is sweet too so that's a lot sweet 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 and talking about pims so, uh, do either of you, like, really know what PIMS is at all? I, I don't know if you told us. I think I did, but I forgot. I forgot that I even told you, so I don't expect you guys to remember. I learned ooh, nothing ooh, I, from what I researched. Just get your picture, and it's pretty. It's oh. really pretty. It is pretty. Thanks. It's delish. I got excited. My phone worked. <laughs> So because so you still keep like every once in a while you'll like cut out or get a little row body. So when you said that, then it sounded like you were uh, super drunk. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. But That's anyways, wonderful. anyways, Pim's number one, which is what you make a Pim's cup with, is a gin and fruit-based liqueur. Produced by James Pym somewhere somewhere around 1840. So at the time, uh, this style of tonic was known as a fruit cup, which was basically a, th- a thing that people did where they would take a base spirit and then they would infuse it with like herbs and fruit and stuff to make a like digestive air quotes. I'm doing quote air quotes digestive aid. Um, out of like alcohol. Oh, I know what the audience feels like now because I can't <laughs> see you. <laughs> That's why we're doing this all. We're doing this all to be closer to the audience and right. understand what they go yeah. through, so we yeah. can better understand. Yeah, so yeah. we can better. Serve Sorry. You. Uh, so <laughs> James Pym. James Pym seemed pretty boring, uh, honestly. Like, so he was a fishmonger. He was the son of a farmer in Kent. Uh, and then he grew up and he became a fishmonger. And then he went on to uh, own various oyster bars throughout London. Oh. Uh, so apparently that's a thing. Um, most notable one that was directly across from Buckingham Palace, where the royal family were frequent patrons. Uh, hmm. So he, this is where he devised the Pims Number no. One as a tonic and digestive aid uh, to accompany the shellfish that he was selling at his oyster bar. Um, the recipe was and is still a closely guarded secret. Um, nobody, I think it's like it said something like six people in the entire world actually know what the mixture of like herbs in Pims is. Um, oh wow. But Pim's number one specifically has a gin base and then is mixed with a bunch of herbs and stuff. There, throughout the years, there have been a bunch of other Pim's. There's Pim's number two, which has a scotch base. 
Number three has a brandy base. Number four has a rum base. Number five has a rye whiskey base. And number six has a vodka base. Um, Do you so, know that they all have the same combination of... No, some of, some of them are different. Like, I saw that there was one... I want to say it was the rum-based one that had, like, elderflower and, like, lavender in it. So I think that it's they're all a little bit different. Um, and then, so besides creating like 90 bajillion versions of the same goddamn thing, he didn't really seem to do anything else. <laughs> like his Wikipedia page is like a paragraph. <laughs> um, so let me. Way to underachieve, see. bro. I mean, he came from just like a farmer dude. Am I sharing my screen right now? Oop. Did oh, go? yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is him. Oh, hey, buddy. This is the Sting Dong. Like, look at him. He even looks boring. He looks like Emo Phillips. <laughs> what? I don't know who that is. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Okay, can you... Um, I'm just old. <laughs> can you look up... Do you, uh, you probably don't know. Uh, do you know how to look up something and then, like, post it into the chat? Mm, no, I, but I can, I can text it to you guys. Uh, yeah, because I want. Oh my god, you're <laughs> fucking right. You're not wrong. I'm not I knew wrong. You were talking about, but seeing a picture. Yeah. You think he time traveled? It's possible. He also kind of looks like. Totally. Also, kind of looks like Paul Rubens. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, anyways, there's that that boring guy. Mm-hmm. So at some point in um, <laughs> after he. He invented PIMS. He he was just like selling it like at his oyster bars. Um, and then it became so popular that he started actually like bottling it and selling it commercially to other clubs and bars and stuff throughout England. Um, and then it was bought by some other company and they started mass producing it. Um, and then in 1870, the PIMS company was sold for a second time to Horatio Davies, um, who would go on to be the Lord Mayor of London for a short period of time. Um his reputation as an entrepreneur um, saw him starting to sell the product to other restaurants throughout Greater London, um, and he also expanded the Pims brand internationally. Um, so he he gave like a bunch of bottles of Pims to colonial administrators and explorers and like members of the armed forces, and because of that, it made its way to places like Sri Lanka, Cape Town, um, and then like all along the Nile and up into Sudan. Um, and then it began to spread to, like, Canada and the Caribbean and stuff like that. No one really knows how it got to the United States. Um, so for the Pimm's Cup cocktail, a, a bunch of sources tell will say that it originated in New Orleans in the 1940s um, in the French Quarter at the 223-year-old Napoleon House. Um, oh, timely and topical. Oh. Yeah, I thought <laughs> yeah. that too when I was like doing the research. I was like, "Fucking Napoleon rides again." Uh, ooh, sidebar, um, just fucking old dead aristocracy type people got me thinking. Have either of you started watching The Great on Hulu? No, but I really think it looks so good. I didn't go to bed yeah, until like two o'clock last night because I just watched the first four episodes in a row when I went to bed. Oh, really? Yeah, was it was it really watching a really horrible show oh, no. not at all what i'm addicted to it 
I said I've been watching really horrible shows. I mean, I like the premise of it, but it's like CW level of like plot development and mm. character development. So, but I haven't watched. That's on my list. I want to watch it, but I feel like it requires focus. Like it doesn't. Like I mean, it, it does, but like it's fun. It kind yeah, of it looks, feels it looks it really kind of, fun. It kind of feels like a CW show without the restraints of being on CW. Hmm. Like, like it, it, okay. it is of course a period piece, but like no one, like the king just runs around, or the emperor, sorry, just runs around saying fuck all the time. Uh, nice. Like, and like it, it's just really funny. Like yeah, it's it funny. Seems I mean, like a- a parody okay. of a yeah it's like, sad at least from the commercials horrible things happen to her yeah. of course in the first few episodes mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. I mean, she's the empress of russia and like her husband's a piece of shit so like horrible stuff mm-hmm. happens to her but it's just like i don't know there's just something about it that's just like fun and the fact that they it's kind of like um the sofia coppola marie antoinette where everybody just kind of uses their own accents uh like you got ripped torn yeah, on a town yes. sound and like a Texan cowboy or whatever. And he's supposed to be like <laughs> the king of France or whatever bullshit. It's kind of, it, it kind of has that vibes. It's really fun. Anyways, nice. the great sidebar over. Um, so what are we doing? Oh, right. So uh, the <laughs> New Orleans uh, claims ownership over the actual Pim's cup, which is using Pim's number one lemonade or ginger ale. Um, ice and then some mixture of like fruit right um so the story behind Mm -hmm. that is that the owner of the napoleon house wanted a cocktail that had a lower alcohol content so that his customers wouldn't get absolutely blitzed by seven o'clock at night and then like stop drinking because obviously bars make their money from people who are going to drink a lot into the wee hours right so with Mm -hmm. this he could make a a low abv drink this the traditional version is only about 25 percent abv which is really low for a drink with, like, hard, okay. hard liquor in it. Um, that's why I added the extra shot of gin <laughs> so that I could bump up the alcohol percentage a little bit. Um, and mm. that, like, sense. traditional... What? I said it makes sense. Mm, yeah. So the traditional ratio is, like, one part PIMS to three part mixer. So whatever that happens to be. Um, so because of this, it became the PIMS cup, a New Orleans staple, uh, especially in the summer months, um, because it's really considered like a summer beverage that'll like cool you off and it's really refreshing and stuff. Um, but it's like kind of weird that New Orleans claims it because it would seem that the cocktail itself was actually invented by the same person that invented the liquor itself, James Pym. So hmm. uh, I don't know, like, I don't know how the proprietor of the Napoleon House first came across the drink. Um, like, I don't know. If because he spent time in Europe during World War II, um, and like there or there could have been a Brit that was traveling abroad and brought Pims with him because it wasn't like really well known in the United States yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it became very popular at the bar, um, and pretty much every New Orleans person claims the Pims Cup as like their their place's uh, signature cocktail that they invented, even though like it has colonial parentage, basically. So another drink who we have no fucking idea what the deal with it is. Um, and I was actually reading an article on um, lettersandliquor.com that I thought was really good. That kind of sums up like the weird thing with cocktails, how we never really know who invented them and kind of makes me realize that it's not just cocktails. 
so this is yeah. a direct this is a direct quote. While the official record has a tendency toward crediting one person alone for the great inventions of human history, it turns out that these innovations often arise simultaneously in different places at the same time. Calculus was formulated independently in the 17th century by both Isaac Newton and Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz. Leibniz? I don't know. Darwin gets all the credit for the theory of evolution, but Alfred Russell Wallace drew similar conclusions and the two published their findings jointly in 1858. Um, and then I have no idea what these words are. And while the Maitre Licaristes of Italy were blending herbs, wines, and spirits to create the aperitivo tradition, bar owners in London were making similar mixological experiments to create, create the tradition of the fruit cup, a.k.a. the Pim's cup. And that's all I got. Oh, I have pictures to show you. So Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, that was a thing. So that's it. <laughs> cool. Taught me like, a lot that I will promptly forget. Um, so I've got some so swimming. You, you can see my screen? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So there's just some old pins. There's that ad. dream again. Um, men make passes at pims and glasses. Girls love pims too. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Weird. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, and then just say Pims and suddenly it's summer. I like that one. Yeah, I like it too. I would I would frame that and hang that in my kitchen. Oh, that's cool. That's Paul Rubens. Just say <laughs> Pims and suddenly it's happy Christmas. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't that know. That one um, makes much less sense. Yeah, and then this and is that just snowman like, is very oddly proportioned. Yeah, no, he's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like they tried to give him a human body. Mm. Not supposed to have it. a human body. He's a snowman. I like it. His arms are really long. He's supposed to have snowman a snowman. Snowmen don't body. have arms. Well, yeah, no. Well, they have sticks. Yeah, that's, I don't like snow arms. <laughs> He's got like really long arms, though. They're like Da Vinci's perfect man arms, but not with a perfect body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, there's just this: how to make a classic Pim's number one cup um specifically it was originally served out of this tankard um that said number one's number one cup on the side of it and that's how i got its name pim's number one cup i guess Mm. uh yeah and traditionally i don't know what some barrage leaf is add one bottle lemonade some barrage leaf a cucumber spear and a lemon peel serve well iced weird yeah i'm looking it up that's all i got Oh, it comes from a barrage plant, which has vivid blue flowers and leaves. Okay. It's an herb. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Never it heard attracts of- pollinating bees. Oh, nice. Yo, yeah. another sidebar. You guys got to watch the great flower fight. Oh, yeah. I do. I do want to watch that. It's really fun. I've been watching it. Have you? I've watched the first episode. Mm. And? <laughs> nothing i wasn't sure if i was uh, if i was cutting out because sometimes you guys pause a really long time when i speak because it's because uh, i'm cutting out because my internet listening. sucks or we're listening yeah yeah <laughs> i'm not used to being listened to i guess <laughs> um. <laughs> no it's not that you're not used to being listened not to it's you like guys, normally my when, family. You, when yeah when you look at like we're together and you can see that we're actively listening right 
yeah yeah so the lack of body language is really throwing me for but i really liked it it was really like it was really endearing and i love like i watched it and then i had the same reaction that i have when i watched an episode of great british bake-off where i turned to jake and i went i could do that which i can't i know i can't no you definitely can't (laughs) i I felt hopeful enough by the end of the episode i was like i could do that i could make a beautiful insect sculpture that could be home to insects and attract insects that pollinate. I could do that. I can't. I know I can't. I can't weld. I can't make a fucking irrigation system welded butterfly wings. Yeah, they don't have to weld. They have a welder on set. But anyway, so Kate, you would love it. It's really yeah, fun. Greg sounds- and I blew through it in like a week. And Natasha Dimitrio is one of the hosts. And Natasha's great. She's from What We Do in the Shadows. Oh, she's one of the... Oh, yeah, that's she's Nadia. I love her. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. she's in it wearing very uh, puffy, frilly, flowery dresses all the time. That it's sounds, great. That sounds wonderful. So that, yeah, that's all I got. We should move on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got I got a good amount of stuff. So, so um, I don't. Where did, I haven't where did posted we... the the source list from last week, but I'll post I'll post like a. a, a uh, a cumulative list of where I got all of this information from because I did all the research in like one go. So, oh, yeah, but I as didn't, I didn't even post a blog post about the episode. I know. Well, that's my job, and I did. Yeah, so. but but I I had been doing it, and then I just didn't do it. So, yeah. Sorry, it took guys. Over for me during exactly. life crises, and then yeah, life crises have subsided, and I haven't picked up the slack. So that's that's an on me <laughs> thing. Um. But yeah, Where did so we le- leave off? That's what I was just about to say. So okay. we left off Nicholas Appert. He's the guy that invented the modern canning methods in Napoleonic France. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died penniless, right? Canned food helped revo- revolutionize warfare in Western countries. And also Napoleon was a baby. Those were like the three last Napoleon Bonaparte was a baby.jpg. It's the name of yep. the episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened to it yet, you should probably go back and listen to it because this is kind of a part two. Yeah, sorry you got this far in this episode. I mean, I said it at the beginning. Oh, okay. I can't I did remember say it was a... from the beginning. Yeah, I did say it was a part two. <laughs> okay. So when Appert, he won his contest, right? And he was forced to publish his findings. And all those findings for preserving food was built upon a bunch of other French inventors and chefs. So that's that was one of the things I talked about last episode. Um, one of those French inventors was... Uh, Philip D. Girard and Girard was an inventor who also tried to benefit from Napoleon's um, contests but found himself victim to Napoleon's temper tantrums so we're going to talk a little bit about him Um, did Napoleon murder him? (laughs) that would that would have no he didn't to answer you quickly but that would have have forever changed a lot of things oh okay okay cool yeah uh, so Napoleon put out his contest in 1810 and um, not just a contest for like who can preserve food the best, which is one the Appert one, but he also put out a, a bunch of other contests too because he had this big giant war machine and he's like, I need to make sure that we defeat the British and defeat all of our enemies abroad. So like we need to innovate and we need to have um, all these amazing technological advancements in order to succeed. So he also put out this contest to see who could spin flax yarn, which is like a very specific contest, not just preserve food for longer. It's like 
make this specific kind of yarn work because they didn't have any way in France at this time to spin this specific kind of yarn from the specific kind of sheep. And because of that, they relied really heavily on English imports and Napoleon fucking hated the English. He wanted to fuck them over real bad. So he was like, we're just going to leave it at create the fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them over. Over is the key word there. Um, So he wanted to beat them at their exports. So he put out this contest for this like really specific niche thing. So, um, Oh, that's loud. Yeah, real loud. Um, so Gerard, yeah. So Gerard got to work, and he's like, "I'm gonna win this contest. I'm amazing." And he is actually really successful in his invention. So he developed like this new kind of thing, this new kind of machine that would spin this specific flax yarn and turn it into fabric and cotton. Um, and Napoleon saw it, and he was like, "Oh, this looks great, but like, I'm not gonna pay you any money." So unlike Appert, who won the twelve thousand francs, Gerard. In anything and he had sunk like all of his money into trying to innovate and make this invention work so unlike Appert who was a chef and he was just kind of like doing this food preservation thing on the side like Gerard was an inventor like this is his whole game so he put all of his money and resources into developing this thing thinking that there would be this huge payout and then Napoleon ended up not paying him out because his needs changed and his needs evolved so like he didn't need this spa- uh, flax yarn spinning machine thing anymore so gerard gets fucked over and he's stuck with all these bills that he had for making this machine so he decides to travel to england and he's like you know what fuck it napoleon screwed me over i'm gonna go to england and i have all these great inventions that i've been working on for napoleon and working on for the french government to like further france's initiatives abroad But instead of, like, giving them over to Napoleon because he screwed me over, I'm going to just sell them in England. So I'm going to help the enemy. So he's kind of like this, like, turncoat where he goes to England and he tries to sell all of his inventions. And not necessarily to the English government, but just to, like, English people and inventors and business people. So that he can at least recoup some of his money and then also kind of screw over Napoleon. So he makes a career out of peddling all of his inventions and plans to Englishmen. So the English dudes would purchase the rights to his ideas and his inventions, and then they'd pass them off on his own. So they would like buy his uh, flax yarn spinning machine and then be like, oh, I totally invented this myself. This is my own thing. Huh. Yeah. So all this is happening. Obviously, the Industrial Revolution is like really taking off. So. In just 10 years earlier or nine years earlier in 1801, the first steam engine is invented. And by 1803, cotton booms. And that's what's really like what boost is boosting England's economy. Um, and there's the first train journey within England in 1804, too. So England's like at the forefront of the Industrial Revolution. And that's part of the reason why Napoleon's throwing such a fucking temper tantrum is that England's economy is booming and they're doing all these amazing, innovative mm. things. And France is kind of stuck in the last century still. Mm-hmm. So he's he's like a, a fucking bully whose best years are in high school. And then yes. like he goes to his high school reunion and everybody else is doing way better than him because he peaked in high school and he's a piece of shit. <laughs> yep. And he he's walking around with it. it. Yeah, he's walking around with his fucking letterman jacket and everybody's like, dude, we're 40 years old. In his class ring. Yeah. 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 So at the same time that all these like technological innovations are happening, there's also a bunch of social unrest because whenever you have great leaps and bounds in technology, you also have like things like 
um, long uh, hours working, you have human rights violations or like a lack of understanding of human rights. So there's all these like horrible conditions in factories in England. There's increasing demand for coal. So you have a lot more coal miners, which is a really like horrible and demanding physically and mentally and emotionally demanding job. Bring coal uh, back. Yeah. Bring it's coal dangerous. back. It's clean. We got clean mm-hmm. coal. No such thing. No <laughs> such thing. So people are working longer hours than they ever have before in the history of the human race. And they're working these really long hours in really unsafe conditions in order to make this quote-unquote progress happen, right? And at the same time, the rich are getting richer because the rich are the ones who are buying up all these invention plans and they're the ones that are building the factories and they're the ones that are making bank on all this shit on the backs of the working class. So, fuck Mm. them. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so by the time progress. Yeah, I know. By the time eighteen ten comes around, when that uh, that contest goes out, um, Gerard he's working hard right on his invention. He goes to Napoleon. He says, "Look at what I made." Napoleon's like, "I don't need any more. Screw you." And at the same time, in England, there's this dude named Peter Durand, and he wants to make his riches during the Industrial Revolution. So he's kind of like this like upstart, and he's like, "You know what? I'm going to invest in something." I'm going to figure out a way to make money. But he's kind of like, just like that dude Pim was, he didn't really do much. He didn't think of anything. He sounds kind of lazy. He doesn't ever invent anything himself. Um, But he makes friends with Gerard. And Gerard's hard up for cash because Napoleon fucked him over. And Gerard ends up selling his patent for a way to preserve food to Durand. Now... Mm. Like I said, Apper, the dude who originally invented, like, the canning method, he's in France, right? And he is forced to publish his findings for the public. So all of Mm. these other inventors and chefs are allowed to, like, take it and build off of it. And the way patents worked back then, it was, like, per country. So, like, you could patent something in France, which this wasn't even patented in France because it was just public domain. And then you could take that idea and bring it to a different country and patent it there. And no one would be like, oh, you stole that from this dude in France. Like, they didn't care because it was almost like an arms race, the Industrial Revolution. So, like, you see this between America and you see this between Britain, too, with, like, the train. Like, there was, there's this huge debate about, like, who actually invented train travel Mm -hmm. first. It's, like, it's totally the English. We just stole that shit. Like, we sent, like... (laughs) industrial like, espionage yeah to, russia like, and the united states in the like space race and stuff right exactly so um so gerard he's hard up for cash he sells his patent that he pretty much he, i mean he builds on it a little bit like he we talked about how apper originally used like glass bottles and then moves to tin cans right so gerard mm-hmm. he he comes to the conclusion that tin cans are better sooner than Appert does um so he sells that idea to use the tin and using the same methods outlined by apper he sells that idea to durand for like a small chunk of change and then durand he like doesn't ever fucking do anything with it he just sits on the patent until he ends up selling it a couple years later to make some quick cash himself to the dude named bryant donkin which donkin is like the best last name donkin ever donkin everybody called him by his last name yo donkin what's up my dude if he if he played for the patriots everyone would call him donk oh 100 percent. yeah so i have a i have pictures of all these dudes in the drive so if yeah if you can navigate to the drive but i can't look at my notes while i'm also sharing my screen yeah no it's fine i got it i got it okay i just don't Um, know what you want me to show 
Oh, Brian yeah. Duncan. Yeah, I labeled all the pictures. All so these motherfuckers be... look boring as shit. Yeah. You know what's funny? I had a, because I have my shop, I had a customer today who came in and paid with a $10 bill, which had Alexander Hamilton on it. And as she slid the $10 bill across the desk to me, she said, here's the most handsome founding father for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you're not, she's you're not, not wrong. wrong. Yeah, you're not Hamilton. Wrong. yeah uh, but it was weird. It was, it so was this weird. is Jonkin. Yeah. Kate, can you see this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Duncan. He looks boring as fuck. Yeah. yeah. But he's actually, like, really fucking interesting. He's actually yeah. a legend. Better um, than my guy. My guy was a fucking layabout. No, he wasn't. He worked hard, but he was yeah. boring. Well, Peter Durand, the first dude, he's a fucking layabout. I am, not, this guy? I am not into that facial hair at Is all. Is that this guy? <laughs> How it's like I, the you neck can, beard. You can it's see, a neck yeah. beard from the 1800s. <laughs> you can see his chin, yeah, but he's a beard. That's no. not where your beard should start. No. His face looks so tiny. Mm-hmm. It's, it's off-putting. It's really... <laughs> like he's wearing a mask over his actual face and his beard. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Like a clip-on yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's not. like he's wearing a fake beard and then pulled it down during a stage production, like during the break. He like pulled it down <laughs> yeah, to get a drink yeah. of water. Yeah, 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 yeah. And forgot to put oh. it back on. You're breaking yeah. you're breaking little kids' hearts with that, Santa. Don't do that. Oh. <laughs> so this Duncan dude, although he looks questionable, was actually kind of a legend. Uh, he invented a shit ton of stuff in the 1800s. So, like, right way back in 1801, he invented some new paper-making machine called the... Uh, I'm going to fucking butcher this. The Fraudrenier Fraudrenier machine? Sounds oh, that good sounds to me. Right. Yep. Um, he also invented a new kind of printer called a polygonal printing machine, which revolutionized like the way like that we print things that made it much faster to print. Um, and then he also worked on the Thames Tunnel and a bunch of other public works projects. So in addition to like just inventing shit like on his own, he also was commissioned by the English government to um, build and innovate a bunch of stuff like tunnels and bridges and things like that, too. So like he was kind of a, an, an engineer in addition to being um a small scale like machine inventor and then he comes across this patent which was originally made by that french dude (laughs) who already forgot his name (laughs) and then sold to peter durand right and then donkin buys it from durand for 1200 pounds and he finally does something with it now I'm fucking horrible at taking notes because i write my notes and then i just in parentheses write picture in all caps Oh, I don't know there... what the, the picture is called here. I think there's a picture of like the original tin can or the in the drive. Maybe I was trying to. So I'm using Chrome and I know like Edge has the markup thing. So I wanted to write donks on Donkin's <laughs> picture, but I couldn't because I'm in Chrome <laughs> and I don't know if Chrome does that. So what do you want? Doubt it. There's I think there's a picture of like the original tin that um Duncan used um, so it should look like a weird old tin can oh no or that's maybe not canning stew pan advertisement dot jpeg that i can't see okay um what the fuck yeah, i don't see it in there yeah maybe, I don't. maybe it's not in there i don't know yeah. but we'll post all the pictures to the blog later eventually oh, for sure. um so just like with all of the other technological innovations during the industrial revolution like I said, there were spies everywhere and there's espionage taking place. We're all just trying to fucking steal shit from one another. So enter this dude named Gail Borden. And there should be a picture of him in the drive, too. 
Gail. Um, yeah, Gail. I know. I wrote in my notes. I wrote "Enter Gail Board" in all caps, and then underneath there's no I wrote, Gail. A dude. There's housewife propaganda canned plant. Does a <sighs> name something. That's it. I suck at saving photos. I'll find yeah. a picture of this dude. He was a dude. He was an okay looking guy. Wasn't what super was creepy. Name? Gail Borden. G uh, G A I L. Yeah, G A. Just like how you spell a lady's name. Gail Borden. Yeah, I was so oh. disappointed because I thought it was a woman when I was researching, and then I looked yeah. at the picture and I was like, it's a dude. Oh, so, man. yeah, the fucking beards during this time, He's man. Got the Lincoln thing going. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's very tall, very high cheekbones, very intense beard. He looks like a skull, like that just had like super glued fuzz on the chin. Uh, that's inaccurate. That's this picture, absolute yeah. purity guaranteed. Full weight, yeah. full yeah. cream. So we're gonna talk talk about his company. Oh, I haven't full so cream in a while. Oh boy. <laughs> Sorry, I went down the I went down the uh, Gail Borden Eagle brand condensed milk. Send for a book. Oh, send for babies. A book for mothers. Sorry, I'm distracted. What? That's fine. Yeah. So he was a philanthropist and a businessman, and he had a future for the vision of the American food supply. So he thinks that the way of the future is food concentrates. That's the way to secure the American food supply and make sure that America is a strong country. And he ends up inventing condensed milk. So he goes to England. He sees a canning factory. And he's like, you know what? I gotta fucking steal that idea. And he takes it back with him to the United States. So he's not the only one with this idea. So a bunch of other people, like uh, philanthropists and business owners and inventors, are traveling or, um, you know, trying to find out ways of preserving food, too. Like it, like I said, it's kind of like an arms race, but for science and technology around food. So mm-hmm. um, in the 1810s um, to the 1820s, uh, Robert Ayers is another guy. He establishes the first canning factory in the U.S. William Underwood uh, establishes his first company in Boston. And then uh, it becomes this huge food conglomerate. Nestle begins in, in the same time period. Heinz begins in the same time period because wow. all of them are jumping on the bandwagon of like how do we preserve food so that we can then sell it to the masses so right now we're at the height of the industrial revolution and all of these factory workers like i said are working really long hours under really extreme conditions they don't have time to go to the grocery store or go to the market they don't have time to buy fresh food daily they don't have time to cook um like other people in higher uh social and economic Mm. classes do and they're more urban dwellers too so you see this huge shift of people moving into urban situations and working longer hours and that creates this demand for this food that can be preserved that will last longer has a longer shelf life um and can be consumed really quickly too because the at this point canning right you're using heat and you're removing oxygen at the same time so it's cooking or at least partially cooking the contents so it's something that you could just eat like it wouldn't even require cooking um so there's the industrial revolution is happening right um as Gail Borden is starting to build his empire, his food empire out of condensed milk and, and doing canning stateside too. At the same time too, the, the industrial revolution is happening. There's also manifest destiny. So do you guys know what manifest destiny is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I heard something about it in school. 
<laughs> yeah. Why don't you, you explain to... for our listeners, not for me, for our, for our listeners. Not for you. Yeah. Not for uh, me. So manifest destiny is this idea that like the world is just ours for the taking. So mm. like we should as Americans go westward. Um, and it, remember Napoleon, because he's a fucking baby. He sold all of Louisiana territory to bankroll all of his dumb wars. So he sells all of that at the same time. So while he's going off on wars and throwing temper tantrums in foreign countries, Americans are like, oh, we have all this new land. It is ours, completely discounting the fact that a bunch of Native American tribes live there. Yeah, people people and already exist there. there. And, right. Like they're just like, oh, it's virgin territory, untouched by man. Like, and they they claim ownership to it. And they, they have this idea that like god has given them this land to go forth and conquer so all of these explorers start setting out too so lewis and clark the famous explorers they go out in 1806 and or they go out rather in the early 1800s and they get back in 1806 and their discoveries about um like what the west was like spurs a bunch of westward travel and real quick lewis and clark sidebar how fucking disappointing would it be to go out all you have is like paddle boats and have to go like against river currents <laughs> and come back and there's fucking steam engines there are mm -hmm. steam engines you're like i paddled so fucking hard and had to carry the boat and you come back and there's steam engines to take you i'd be so pissed yeah but you'd be jacked so it'd be okay that's true i mean if i if i survived yeah invading no other people's territory but none of those people were jacked because they were expending way more calories than they were taking in yeah that's true that's they were true. just they were just skinny and sinewy because at this time there was no way to bring preserved food with you other than they're, like dried meats like they're just and stuff. yeah they're just eating fucking lambus bread that's all they've mm -hmm. got mm -hmm. <laughs> and potatoes exactly po potatoes yeah so they, they come back and there's fucking canned food and there's steam engines and there's all this technological advancement. And they're like, this would have made our trip like six months tops as opposed to the several fucking years it took. But anyways, so all of this stuff is going on at the same time, right? And then, like I said, it's the 1810s, 18 teens, and there's an economic depression that happens at the same time. And there's all these promises of land out west. So out west, the population of, I'm going to say white Americans, because um, there were people living there already, um, increased from 5 million people scattered about the western part of the country to 23 million people um, within like a 20-year period. So there's this, you have all these people heading westward. So anyone who's like in urban areas, they're now working in a factory, working long hours, don't have time or money to go out to the store and get fresh food daily, right? And then all of the people who are, like, economically depressed and don't have the benefit of having a uh, somewhat decent-paying job in a factory, which is still inhumane and long hours and they're making horrible money, they're like, you know what? There's a promise of land out west because there are all these, like, landholder claims and stakes, right? So, like, if you just get here, you'll get, like, 15 acres or 20 acres yeah, or whatever. Far and away. So a bunch of people start heading west. Yeah. So there's this huge need for non-perishable food for those people, too, because you have all these really fucking inexperienced people 
just like going out. They've never like ridden horses or like been in a wagon before or like crossed a river. Like they've never done any of the shit that we've done in Oregon Trail. <laughs> I'm trying to think of more. <laughs> we stuff. know. We know about the dysentery. <laughs> that so they never experienced that. And if they have like little money, which is the driving force of going west, is you have no money and, and you know the country's economically depressed, and you're like, at least there's land, at least there's a way for me to feed my family out there, yeah, right? So you have little opportunity. money. Right. You're not gonna be sinking a ton of money into like guides and stuff. So like they're navigating all this like really treacherous terrain and like a lot of them are dying or not coming back. Or like think of the Donner Party, which happens yeah. a little bit later in the eighteen hundreds, no. but like Little Some pretty Timmy, extreme stuff happens. Little Timmy hurts his arm. You got to leave him. He's going to slow you down. And then your whole family's yep. dead. You got to leave him behind with his one arm. You can't bring him. <laughs> That's what Oregon Trail <laughs> taught me. Yeah. Life lessons, man. So back to the urban centers of America. And we talked about Borden, right? Uh, Brian, uh, like I said, Brian Duncan, he invents it in England. And then Gail Borden, he travels to England from the United States. He's a philanthropist and a businessman. He sees the future of food as food concentrates. He steals the idea and brings it to America. And he decides to open up his own company based off of his invention of condensed milk, right? So he forms Borden Incorporated. And by the time 1856 rolls around, he has like a bunch of patents and he, uh, founds his company or he moves his company to New York and he calls it the New York condensed milk company. So that's really his like primary focus is like, how do I have condensed milk? And then he hopes to expand it. Right. So he opens his plant in New York by 1860. And at first this process of canning stuff is really, really slow. Cause it, in the early days, like of the industrial revolution, it's all done by hand, right? Each can is handmade. Mm-hmm. So the food at first is really expensive for ordinary people. Borden, just like all of the other dudes before, found a market in ships in the Navy um, and explorers who were going west. So like people who had to buy it out of necessity. Eventually, by the time the early 1900s roll around, the process is like really streamlined. And the Max Ames Machine Company of New York patents this uh, double seam process where they can use machines essentially to manufacture mm. and seal the cans. And that's what we use for most modern food cans today. But they uh, they can, at the time, they could safely seal more than 2,000 cans a minute, which is, like, wild compared to, like, the way that it was done by hand. Like, it's yeah. the, the amount that you can produce skyrockets overnight. So, excuse me, this is huge for food packaging. So the Borden Company now can produce food, uh, produce canned food really rapidly. And it makes preserved food much more affordable, which allows them to expand even further. So I focus, like I said, the Heinz company and Nestle and all these other companies are doing this at the same time. And I, I'm kind of envisioning us doing like separate episodes on each of them and their, their formation mm-hmm. and how they grew and everything. The Borden company is a company I have literally never fucking heard of in my life yeah, before, no, but haven't... they're still around today yeah. and they're giant. Yeah. So like they, in by 1920, uh, or between 1927 and 1930, in this three-year period, they're able to acquire 200 other businesses. So most of them are like food manufacturing companies, just like them. But they also buy Elmer's Glue. 
and uh, they buy wise snack foods. They buy Classico pasta. So like brands that we see in the grocery store every day, they're owned by the Borden company huh. still today. So they're like this huge conglomerate that I've never heard of. And they just have their like hands and fingers in like every part of process and packaged food now, which is wild. Well, um, everything, so, everything in the United States is owned by like two companies. So it's not surprising at all. It's also weird to me that they own both Elmer's glue and food companies. Yeah. <laughs> like, is there glue in our foods? Mm-hmm. I mean, is why, food is that glue? A, why is that a leap you would make, Amy, that if they own both, they must somehow <laughs> contaminate each other? Like they're made in the same factories. They're not. <laughs> like, why would you diversify your portfolio that much? Like, why would you, why would you be like, we're... <laughs> really good at food we understand the markets of food let's expand into something why, completely why unrelated there has to be some, some connection why don't you go and look at the disney corporation <laughs> and go down that rabbit hole and see the types of things that they own that have nothing to do with disney <laughs> oh i know i know they're evil but moana so <laughs> moana's great but that's pixar who i feel gets like a pass no even the Lassiter is a creep. teach kids about life and death? Right? How am I going to teach that without a Disney movie where the parents die in the first 10 minutes? I mean, Except I don't know. You could... That was like the worst example. Yeah, I don't know. You could like talk to them, I guess. <laughs> oh my God. There's an inchworm on my desk. Sorry. Congratulations. <laughs> I wish nothing but rails, happiness ladies. for the two of you. <laughs> Off the rails. <laughs> I just looked down and I was like something I thought it was like a little leaf or a seed or something because I was working outside today and I was like it's wiggling why is it wiggling I had a lot to drink and then I was like no it's a living creature <laughs> thank you for running us through the oh, thought boy. process on that one Amy <laughs> I mean, that's so helpful where are we 1930 oh my god we're only in 1930 okay <laughs> This is this is really the last the last little bit, right? Because mm. like food canning, the process has not changed that much since the the twenties and thirties. Like I said, in the twenties, this company, Borden's company, becomes this huge food food conglomerate, and then they introduce so the first ones to introduce baby formula. Ooh. So like the process of canning food not only like had this huge impact on warfare throughout the Western world. But it also enabled things like westward expansion and manifest destiny. And it also to um, innovate it, allowed for innovations like baby formula to happen, which like, you know, imagine both good and bad things how, come from that. Imagine how unsafe 1930s baby formula was. It was like probably it, just like sugar and like condensed milk. And lead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arsenic. Probably. Like all that stuff that keep- like... Yeah. They didn't even know. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. So, like, it, it it completely, this one thing, this, like, one food innovation just completely changed every aspect of the world we live in, which I think is just so fascinating. So, I have a couple um, fun facts, because uh, yes. that's, that's, like, it for, like, the history, history part. Okay. So, the Borden Company, they have a mascot, came named elsie the cow i was it was actually yeah yeah it's like this really cheery cow and it reminds me of that what movie is that where there's like a like a cow mascot with there's like some weird funny movie where there's a cow mascot but bosh fiddlesticks and (laughs) fooey 
That's that's amazing and disturbing. There's so many cows in that picture. Um, so Elsie the cow was invented in 1936 by a marketing company. Borden uh, company and other dairy companies were actually feuding with the federal government in the 30s over pricing and regulations. And we should definitely, I'm going to add to this, that we should definitely do a whole episode of that. But there's like milk riots. Like there is oh. like it's some intense back and forth. So all of the dairy companies at this time decided the answer to this to improve their public image with just the general population was to have a friendly cartoon cow mascot. Why is so this cow like... sexy? <laughs> What's going on here? What Sex is sells, that? baby. Got... Sex sells. They sassy. <laughs> also, yeah. Got what's going on? Cocked. What's going on here? This cow is very skinny. Uh, I, don't know. I don't There's nothing good about. There's... <laughs> Oh, Ooh, instant coffee. God. You think you can make Delgado or whatever with that? That fancy, like, whipped instant coffee thing that is all over YouTube? Mm. I wouldn't try it. But yeah, so all the dairy companies from this time have, like, weird, funny, happy cow mascots. Mm. I, think um, it's, I think it's a Kevin Smith movie. I think it's Mooby. Yeah. Is the, is yes. The... Yes, 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 you're right. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't think of what it was. Um, wait, is that Clerks? Is that from Clerks? No, it's either Dogma or Jane. No, I think it's all of them. Oh, is it like it, I like, think I don't think it's drugs? in the first Clerks, but I think it's in all the like subsequent films. I don't know what the first one it came from was though. Yeah. So, and then my other fun fact is in 1974, there were uh, they found uh, researchers found canned food from a shipwreck. Of the Bertrand, which is a steamboat that sank in the Missouri River in 1865. And researchers took that canned food and took samples of it. And they were tested by the National Food Processors Association. And all the appearance, smell, and vitamin content had deteriorated. There was no trace of microbial growth in the 109-year-old food. So yep. it was determined to still be safe to eat. Yep. Wow. So, that had been yeah. in the water? Like it had been in a shipwreck? Yep. In, wow. Uh, sunk in the Missouri no, River. No botulism? Nope. Botulism. So, so you'd be safe if you if you uh, came across some canned food, even if it's mm. past expiration date. Mm. So, and especially well, today, there's a unless shit ton of preservatives. Unless it's, the can is misshapen. Mm. And yeah. then it's, it's definitely right. got the bot. Then yeah. stay, Look stay at the Appert test, right? The Appert test from last episode was if the can has swelled... Mm-hmm. Then that means it's spoiled inside. It's not properly sealed. Something I was looking at this. At it. Um, this picture you have in here. Uh, prepare for winter. Save perishable foods by preserving now. And I noticed this little mm-hmm. Canada food board thing down here. Is yeah. it a mushroom cloud? Uh, I think yeah, it's wheat. It looks like it. Oh, you think it's wheat? Yeah, I think it's that like would a. Make more sense. It says SOS. It does. It? I mean, it it, yes. It, very. <laughs> what does it mean, <laughs> Amy? Why don't you don't? Why don't you know? I don't know. I saved a bunch of pictures. Like we could like because there's a whole movement in the fifties in the like you know you have this just like with everything else with food right you have this like the scientist or the chef or whatever that innovates something and then like companies take it and run with it and then eventually it just trickles down to the people so like mm. there's a huge movement when we talk about like food rationing in World War II for like canning your own foods and having victory gardens and things like that to like mm. preserve food so that way you aren't using up food rations for the troops 
um, you know, you're you're sustaining your own food. I feel like we've moved so far away from. I mean, there's kind we of a swing back, sure. but well, but people like, are trying, but it's like people are like, oh, I'm starting a garden to feed my family, and it's like, okay, well, you know that that's not going to be able to feed your family for like another year, and also it only be able to feed you guys for like a week. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you have to grow a lot, right? Yeah, and you have right. to like. What is this? I mean, you think. That's a canning factory. No, I know that. But what are they canning? Because it looks like olives, but it can't be olives. Oh, maybe they're canning olives. Or maybe blueberries, yeah. I don't know. I'm really, like, I'm so good when I start to take my notes. I'm like, there's a picture here. There's a picture here. Mention the picture. And then by the time I get to the end, there's just random pictures. Yeah, you don't remember what they're from. (laughs) That's okay. So sorry, guys. Yeah, they'll all be on there. You can figure them out for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, just do a reverse image search. It'll be fine, people. Yeah, so that's that's all I got this week in this episode. Time has no meaning. Mm. I don't know what day it is. Well, we definitely don't put it on an episode a week, so. Yeah, we could. (laughs) We could with recording this way. I mean... You do the bulk of the research, so that's a that's a uh, what do they say? Oh my god, we'll take that offline or whatever. Yeah, bullshit. We'll put that yeah. in the parking lot. Ugh. <laughs> oh, calls. We're gonna table that for later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that was great. <laughs> this is great. I yeah. love it. So good. Very so good. good. So, uh, yeah, I think that's all we got. Uh, so stay safe and. Uh, make sure you're still social social distancing if that's required in your area and make sure you're wearing a mask when you're going out and you're taking care of yourself. Also, mm-hmm. in areas affected by the other things going on in this world, be safe. Uh, if, you're going, yes. if you're going out to help, please wear a mask both to protect your identity uh, and protect yeah. yourself from the pandemic. Do both. Yeah. And, and there's, there's ways to be socially, um, to pursue social justice Without going into a crowded group as well, too. So, yeah. uh, and I'm I'm sure we can post stuff like that, like where to write letters and make phone calls. And oh, for sure, stuff. there's so many places you can donate right now too. Y'all know what we're talking about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, anyways, be safe, and hopefully, you guys will join us for the next episode. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Drunk Dish. For recipes and more, please visit DrunkDish.com. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or Apple Music. You can also follow us on Twitter at DrunkDishPod and Instagram at DrunkDish. And again, thanks for listening. Bye.